Welcome to Taking Back Birth, a podcast for women who know the truth about birth and those who want to explore the path of radical birth love. I'm your host, Marin Green. Taking Back Birth celebrates the power you have to make decisions in alignment with your own truth. Decisions not subject to anyone else's authority. Decisions that create experiences that will change your life. Taking Back Birth is a production of the Indie Birth Private Contract Association and IndieBirth.org. No material on this podcast should be considered medical advice. Birth is not a medical event. Lindsay Lockett is a trauma educator, nervous system coach, and the host of the Holistic Trauma Healing Podcast. After leaving behind the dogmas of fundamentalist religion and toxic wellness culture, Lindsay experienced her own dark night of the soul. During the healing journey that followed, she realized that trauma affects us as whole people, and therefore we need to heal as whole people. Although Lindsay has benefited tremendously from therapy and psychiatry, these modalities never totally resonated with her because she found that they forced her to fragment herself rather than heal holistically. She set out to find an affordable and accessible approach that integrates the physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, and ancestral parts of our being, and discovered the magic of the nervous system. She works with clients one-on-one, helps people through her workshops and group programs. Lindsay lives on six beautiful acres of wilderness in northeastern Minnesota with her husband of 20 years. She loves foraging and making her own plant medicines and cold plunging in Lake Superior. Ah, this conversation was such a breath of fresh air and left me feeling so inspired. I can't wait for you to glean some of Lindsay's wisdom and connect with her if you resonate. Welcome to Podcast Monday. I'm on a Monday roll lately. I don't know what's going on, but I have another special guest. Today, I have Lindsay Lockett. And just a brief, like, how did we find each other kind of thing, because I always think that's fun. Um, I was on Instagram. There I was on Instagram. And I was also thinking about just how difficult births have felt to me in this last year, in these last couple of years, and really wanting more wisdom and more knowledge to come my way about the way the nervous system works. Lo and behold, Instagram read my mind, I'm sure of it and showed me Lindsay's profile and her amazing contribution to the world. And I was kind of hooked. I think we have so much in common. Uh, I've been listening to her podcast, which is rare. I don't listen to a lot of podcasts, but her, her talk about just autonomy and doing our inner work and really being the only one that is able to, whether it's birth or do our healing, same kind of thing. Um, I'm just so excited to talk to her about whatever comes out of our mouths today. So welcome, Lindsay. I am so excited you are here. I am thrilled to be here. Thank you for having me. That was a lovely introduction. And I did not know that Instagram served my profile up to you. (laughs) They're so good like that. They're things to be grateful for with social media. Yeah, yeah. That's one of the things to be grateful for. What I'm not grateful for is like one of my friends and I have been having this ongoing conversation for months about her shopping for bras. So I don't wear bras at all, but now all of my ads are for like bras because Instagram is listening. So there's positives and negatives. Yeah, they are listening. And from a fellow non-bra wearer, that would be very annoying. 
<laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm like, serve me like better ads. I don't want bras, but I'll buy like linen jumpers. <laughs> right. Right. Show me what I want, Instagram. Well, they came through on this account. And like I said, I'm so glad I... Again, like I don't have a lot of people on the podcast and when I do, they really have to be resonant. And I know in the last month when I've been just reading your posts, they are so brilliant. And I felt just such a sense of uh, kindred spiritness with you. And I know there's so much that I can learn from you and that you can share with with my listeners. So thank you. I'm honored. I appreciate that very much. Yeah, you're so welcome. Well, where do we start? I I know you have your own healing story. Um, I'm not sure how much in depth you want to go, but I think it's important for people to know where you're coming from and and how you kind of stumbled or or found this this idea that our nervous systems are really what's in charge of our health. I think that's so fascinating. Absolutely, I would love to share. So I'll spare you the childhood trauma stuff, but um, like just essentially, I was raised in a broken home. Um, my parents were divorced before um, I was two years old. My mom was a single mom for about five years after that, and then she met and married my stepfather. Um, he was abusive um, mentally, emotionally. Yeah, he was just, he was abusive, very narcissistic. Um, he was in recovery from alcohol addiction, but he wasn't actually working a program or anything. He just wasn't drinking, but still very angry, narcissistic. Um, he liked to be in control and have a lot of power. And yeah, then add in a little bit of evangelical fundamentalist Christianity and all of the suppression that goes along with that shame about my body, about my sexuality. Um, no education about sex or anatomy or anything like that. I was raised in a very conservative um, town and the Christian values got carried over into school. So I had an abstinence only sex education at at my public school. Um, And yeah, I, I got into my teenage years. I was super involved in the church and I really found like, oddly enough, like the rigidity of the church, like the rules and the safety that the church seemed to offer, um, which was like the certainty that I was seeking because I felt so uncertain and dysfunctional in my very abusive, crazy household. Um, I sort of clung to that rigidity like a life raft. And um, for a while it was, it offered me the safety I didn't have at home. Um, anyway, I got married at a very young age. I was 19 when I got married. Um, I had my first baby at 20. I had my second baby at 22. Um, I had no support after my second baby was born and um, ended up with really severe postpartum depression and anxiety, um, for which I used Lexapro, which was my first time to uh, experience a psych med. And it basically, like, yeah, I didn't want to throw my kid out a window anymore, but it, like, you know, numbed me. (laughs) So, so I don't have any memories of my daughter's first year. Um, because that's when I was on Lexapro. I stopped taking it when she was about 10, 11 months old. Um, and I lived with anxiety for my whole life and I really didn't have language that I had had anxiety for my whole life until probably four years ago. 
um, maybe five years ago. And what that looked like in my teenage years was like a lot of perfectionism, always needing to be the best at everything, wanting to be a really good girl. I just wanted to be so sweet and good and obedient. Um, and then getting married really young in my early 20s, that anxiety showed up as like this buzz in my body where I had to constantly be moving. So I was like obsessive about cleaning my house and it wasn't because I was afraid of germs. It was just because the feeling of relief and peace that I wanted so desperately, the only way that I knew how to find it was like cleaning my whole house from top to bottom and then like sitting down and enjoying it. Hmm. Like that that was that feeling of peace that I wanted and that was the only way I knew how to get it. Um, so then at, at a certain point, as you can imagine, that didn't work as well <laughs> anymore. Right. Um, kind of like you need more alcohol to get you, you drunk or you need more drugs to have the same effect. You gotta clean more and you just, I just ran out of things to clean. Um, so I was a busybody, very perfectionistic. Um, my husband was also an evangelical pastor at the time. So I sort of had like this pressure from, you know, I don't know if you know about pastor's wives, but like all eyes are on them and like, they really have to have their shit together. Am I allowed to say shit on your podcast? You most definitely okay. are. Yes. So it's like, it's like, I felt like all these eyes watching me and, and I had to like dress a certain way and I had to behave myself a certain way. And I remember like, if we would go out to a restaurant in town, like I might want to order a margarita, but I wouldn't because what if somebody from the church walked in and saw me drinking alcohol? Oh my God. Mm. Um, so then we, um, when I was 31, um, I had an experience of, beginning what I now know is like my deconstruction of evangelical Christianity and crazy enough my husband and I went through that process together um and are still together wow. <laughs> um so he's no longer in ministry at all um we actually moved I grew up in Texas and lived in Texas my whole life and seven years ago we moved to northeastern Minnesota um which was by far one of the best decisions we've ever made for our family was to like get 1200 miles away from mm. all of our families and Christianity and conservative, you know, all of that. Um, and yeah, we kind of got here and for the first time ever, I got to sort of be like, I can, I can be whoever I want now. Like I have all this freedom and like I tried weed for the first time when I was like 34, <laughs> like for my first time ever. And like I did mushrooms in 2017 for the first time. And it was just like, oh my God, I, all of these things that I've never been able to do, I have access to them and I can do them with my adult brain. Um, and then in 2018, the shit kind of hit the fan and basically everything that could go wrong in our lives did go wrong. Mm -hmm. And our marriage was on the rocks. Our finances were in the toilet. Um, it just like our cars were breaking, our roof was leaking. We had a fire in our house. Like it was just like this domino mm -hmm. effect of just all these events that, and my husband was like having some sort of ego crisis or something and it was it was so much to deal with and um you know I got through it how I how I could and that was like with a lot of weed and a lot of anxiety and a lot of busyness and by the fall of 2018 like life had kind of calmed down my husband was doing much better he'd gotten some EMDR therapy that was really helpful for him we fixed our houses we our house we fixed our cars like everything was going okay. And it was like in the fall, that storm had passed and my body was like, we're done. Like, mm. and so I started experiencing even more crippling anxiety, panic attacks, like 
sometimes 10 panic attacks a day, really bad insomnia. I mean, I mean, we're talking five months of no more than two hours a night on yeah, a good night. That's crazy. Like it was, well, it was cr- crazy is the yeah. right word. Um, I just felt like I wasn't safe in my body. Like nothing on the outside of my life was, was wrong. You know, mm-hmm. like I couldn't look at something and be like, oh, I'm in a, a bad marriage or I'm having trouble with my kids or whatever. Like none of that was happening. It was all inside of me. And then on top of all the mental stuff I had going on, which now I know is nervous system dysregulation, I was also experiencing pelvic issues. So mm-hmm. um, I was having a lot of pelvic pain, um, heaviness in my pelvis, um, just sort of feeling like my vagina was like turning inside out at times. Hmm. Um, Pain that would kind of go up and around my back and sometimes it would be way down low like in my labia and it was kind of everywhere. And um, it took me several months to figure out what all that was and it turned out I had um, pelvic floor dysfunction, which I know pelvic diaphragm is sort of the better word because it's not a floor. Um, but I needed some physical therapy for that. And then I also had something called pelvic congestion syndrome, which um, I'm not sure if you've ever heard of that, but it's mm. essentially varicose veins in the pelvis. Mm. So like you, you don't really see them on the outside like you do with leg varicose veins, but it's like the same kind of thing, but um, around your uterus and ovaries and bladder and like all of that. And it just creates symptoms of like heaviness in the pelvis, feeling like it's dragging like prolapse feeling, but no prolapse happening, like that sort of thing. It was really miserable. And so I had to go to pelvic floor PT and then I had to get the vein situation figured out, um, which involved a pelvic vein embolization. Um, And yeah, it it kind of all climaxed. In 2019, in the spring, I attempted suicide. Um, I was unsuccessful, obviously. And after that, I checked myself into inpatient mental health care um, voluntarily. I stayed for five days, mm-hmm. got on a cocktail of psych meds, got out, checked myself out. And um, I just promised myself, like, I, I knew I had gotten to that point in my life with only taking a psych med one time for postpartum depression. So I knew, like, I can live without these, but I'm really fucking grateful I have them because they literally saved my life. Mm-hmm. And... I'm going to do whatever it takes to excavate and heal what got me to this place. And I professionally, I had been a food blogger and a health coach. And so my website was called All the Nourishing Things. And it was a really big, like by the time I sold it last year, it was getting two and a half million page views a year. Um, I did all kinds of posts on supplements and healing diets and keto recipes and vegan recipes and paleo recipes and just really pushed that um, health and wellness lifestyle in my business. And um, I figured out after my hospital stay, because I'd been on what I call the hamster wheel of wellness, where you're just constantly like trying different Mm -hmm. supplements and diets and healing gadgets and hopping from practitioner to practitioner, chasing symptoms trying to fix yourself. And I, after over 10 years of that, I finally had this like wake up moment where I was like, okay, if kale smoothies and celery juice and $400 of supplements and bone broth fast had been what I needed to be well, I would be well because I have literally done that like a professional Mm. and I'm not well. So clearly that model isn't working. (laughs) So what else is there? 
And that's when I stumbled on um, information and research about the nervous system and nervous system dysregulation, brain inflammation. Um, I had a spiritual awakening. So awareness and consciousness is a really big piece of my work at this point. And I just dove in head first because I was determined to heal myself. And I became my own best advocate and I researched the shit out of everything I did. Um, I was my own guinea pig and then I started posting about it on Instagram and I didn't even have very many followers and people were DMing me and like, will you coach me? And I was like, I mean, I'm a health coach. I'm not a trauma coach. Like, I don't know if I'm qualified for this, but I just kept getting so many people asking me that I was like, well, I can try, you know, and I felt like what I had done with myself plus the online courses and all the books I had read and like all the digging and research I had done served me really well. And so now I have, um, I work with 10 one-on-one clients at once and um, I have a podcast and I have online courses and I teach workshops on the nervous system and yeah, my, my healing became my purpose. And I really do believe that I was put on this planet to help people wake up and regulate themselves um, mm. and feel safe in their bodies again because it was a long journey before I could feel safe in mine. So that's my story. Mm. Thanks for sharing that. I know yeah. it's, yeah, there's lots of layers and that's, yeah, that's just what came out today. I feel like I've heard other cool things you've shared about it, but you know, it all comes back to the same thing, which is you had to take responsibility for yourself. And, you know, I think the way it feels like it also applies to birth is sometimes it's hard, you know, sometimes we have these really hard experiences and if we can find the wisdom in them, I feel like that's so often the gift, right? Not just mm-hmm. to ourselves, but to everybody. Oh boy. So much, so many good things there to, to talk about. Well, I think the first thing that came to my mind was just even mentioning or talking about anxiety. I know that's a really big topic and I'm going to take your course. I hope lots of people take your nervous system 101. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we always need new tools, right? For ourselves and in working with people. And anxiety is one of the things that I feel like has just become almost like a common way of being. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if the last couple of years, all the COVID nonsense, like if that triggered that in people or if we're really just uncovering what has always been there like we're just all kind of dysregulated all of the time what do you think that's a really good question actually and i i think i do think covid is part of it i think that people became a lot more hyper vigilant during covid um and hyper vigilance is certainly a sign of a nervous system that's dysregulated mm. um i also think that the early 2020 um you know, anti-racist stuff and like the George Floyd's murder and all of that. I also think that that created a lot of anxiety in people too. And and I remember for myself, like um, COVID wasn't that big of a deal for me because mm-hmm. I was already working from home. I was already homeschooling my kids. Like, yeah, it was inconvenient, but it wasn't like our lives had to totally turn upside down for us to be able to function um, because we were already pretty home-based anyway. But um, I remember just, you know, even even knowing how to regulate my nervous system and seeing like the anti-racist stuff and like all these different opinions and viewpoints and all this talk about like internalized white supremacy and privilege and 
all of this kind of stuff. And I just remember being like, oh my God, nothing I do is ever going to be good enough. Like I can't like, uh, you know, and that was really anxiety inducing for me as well. So I, and then I kind of feel like we were like going into like an election in 2020. And like, I mean, I just think that 2020 was like, it was a shit show for a lot of reasons. (laughs) But yeah, I do think that um, certainly Instagram, at least for all of its negative aspects, I do think that one of the positive aspects of Instagram is that when people were inside and in quarantine and home and isolated, they were on Instagram a lot. And um, I know I was like one of the first people I ever saw talking about the nervous system. And people have kind of picked up on that and it's becoming more common to talk about now. But I think that that the isolation and the quarantine and the nonsense and the news, it, it sort of, I mean, it did create like a binary, right? Mm. It just became, you were either in this side or you were on this side. You were either pro-vax or you were anti-vax. And like, I hate that. Like, yeah. I hate that so much. Mm-hmm. I hate it. But it, it does seem like there was like a certain group of people who it took that for them to see kind of the man behind the curtain in terms of like government corruption, big pharma corruption, like all of that kind of stuff. And so I think for some people who weren't able to wrap their minds around that and who felt like it was threatening that maybe the government doesn't have our best interests in mind, maybe big pharma isn't basing everything in double blind placebo controlled studies like maybe it's bot science you know i think enough of us were sort of pulling the veil back and being like okay this isn't what it seems on the surface and so some people either couldn't accept that and it just threw them into fear and Mm -hmm. being controlled and then wanting to control others and everything being a threat or some people saw that and they were like well if I can't trust the government and the pharmaceutical industry, then I have to take my power back for myself. And so this like movement towards autonomy and sovereignty kind of erupted from that, which I think is a positive thing overall. Yeah, definitely. And the same goes for birth. You know, I think a lot of people yeah. changed the way they thought about where they would birth or who would be there. Um, although I think the fear was pretty pervasive for pregnant women. And I say that having been one of those pregnant women a couple mm-hmm. of years ago that I wish I had done a better job of feeling safe in my body. So I love that you bring that up. And, you know, I talked a couple of weeks ago with my friend Stacy, who does somatic sex education. And we talked about that from her perspective. And I think we're all talking about the same thing, you know, in the ways that we do and where we have our wisdom. So I would love to just hear you share your wisdom around that for pregnant women in particular, who maybe aren't used to feeling a whole lot in their bodies anyway. Um, and then, you know, this feeling of safety coming from the outside versus the inside. And I know, you know, you need to make it brief too, because you, you coach people on all these things and spend hours and hours. So I'm just like, yeah. generally, generally Yeah, that's proposing. a big question. Uh-huh. That's a big question. I mean, pregnant or not, the, the idea of feeling safe in our bodies, um, is really an idea to a lot of people that isn't attainable and, for me and my clients and my students, I have seen that when we honor and understand our nervous systems, coupled with awareness, we can cultivate that feeling of safety in our bodies, no matter what's going on. So um, 
a, a lot of people, myself included, came into some kind of healing work because we're looking for certainty. So like if we follow a certain diet or a certain supplement protocol, it's like, this is what I need to be well. Like I feel certain that right. this is what I need to be well. The recipe. Right, right. This is my formula or whatever. And I'm not saying that like nourishing foods and supplements can't be supportive to the body at all. That's not what I'm saying. Um, it's just that you can't out supplement the nervous system. Mm. <laughs> like there's not a supplement that you can take yeah, that regulates that. your mm -hmm. nervous system. I love that. Um, and so when we learn how to first become aware of what we're experiencing in our bodies, so is there fear? Is there anxiety? Is there disappointment? Is there anger? Is there grief? Like what's there? What does it feel like? So where can you find that feeling in your body? How do you know the difference between anxiety and anger? It's because of the way it feels, mm. right? And a lot of people think that, that it's just something in their heads and they're like, oh, I think I feel this, I think I feel that. But actually we have 80% of the communication between our brain and our body is actually from body to brain. So we feel things before we think them. Mm. It's just that most people aren't aware that they're feeling it and that their thoughts are happening in response to those feelings. Mm. And so that's why awareness is such a big piece of my work because when we drop into the body and then we become aware of those sensations and what state our nervous system is in, then we now have information that we need to meet ourselves where we are in that moment with whatever we need to do to regulate ourselves versus, and, and that's a conscious process, versus what so many people are doing is they have these feelings in their body that they're not aware of and they have the thoughts about them and then they unconsciously react. And so maybe they're feeling angry about something and in an unconscious reaction, they yell at their kids or they're like violent towards their mm. kids or somebody's feeling you know sad about something and they're not aware of it so their unconscious reaction is to um you know i don't want to feel this anymore so i'm gonna get on my phone i'm gonna scroll for hours and hours and hours i'm gonna check out from what i'm feeling mm. and all of this is happening unconsciously nobody is like well i feel sad and here's where i feel it in my body but i'm making the choice to dissociate on my phone nobody is saying that unconsciously right. nobody's like i'm angry and i can't handle my own anger so it's like hot potato that i can't hold so i have to throw it on my kids by yelling at them like Nobody mm. makes that conscious choice, sure. right? Sure. So this is why consciousness and awareness is such a huge part of my work because when we make the unconscious conscious, then we actually have the power to choose. Mm. And choice is truly where our power is. Like that's where sovereignty is. That's where autonomy is. It's knowing I am not a victim. Um, I don't have to be the victim. I can choose. And maybe what happened to me in my childhood or COVID or whatever, that wasn't my fault. Right. But like, I can't make anybody else responsible for what I do with that, except for myself. So pregnant women, non-pregnant people, um, women feel, feel in your body. And that might take some practice, especially if you've been walking around in your head for years and years and years. Like we're so disconnected from our body. And I even feel like um, a lot of spirituality disconnects us from our bodies um you right. know especially like stuff like astral projection and like third eye meditations and all that kind of stuff it's like very uh you know up here totally. <laughs> and we're not dropping into our body actually so it's like disconnecting us from our bodies even more 
Um, and I'm a super spiritual person, but like my spirituality, it like my body is the conduit for whatever downloads I'm receiving. Like I like to say that the nervous system is like a radio antenna. Mm-hmm. And whenever it's tuned into like the frequency of the highest self, then that's when we're embodying our authentic selves, right? That's when we can speak our truth and we can dress however we want without apology. We can birth however we want without feeling like we have to explain it to everybody. Mm-hmm. We can eat whatever we want without feeling like we have to explain it. So like when our nervous system is tuned into the frequency of our highest self, the authentic version of ourselves is what's playing on the radio. Mm-hmm. When our nervous system is tuned into the the ego aspect that's when there's like static in the radio channel right and it's like and that's when there's a lot of unconsciousness happening and then that's creating a life that we don't want um and all of that and so i i like to just think of like when i take care of my nervous system like i am creating the clearest communication between like my highest self and my body and then i can embody that authenticity without apology and without feeling like I'm too much or I'm not gonna be accepted or whatever. I'm better at setting boundaries. I'm better at following what lights me up and pursuing my passions and helping others and all of that versus when I'm like really dysregulated, I'm fawning, I'm being a perfectionist, I'm silencing and censoring myself, I'm not asking for what I need or want, I'm afraid Mm. of taking up space. Like Mm. all of that stuff that happens when we're in a pain body state versus when we're in our authentic expression state. So I know that was kind of a roundabout way of answering your question, but literally pregnant or not, everybody's nervous system works the same. Right, exactly. Yeah, that was beautiful. That was absolutely beautiful. I think some of those, quotes need to go on a shirt or something that's <laughs> thank you <laughs> really I mean it just speaks to me so much I think there's again like so much language around essentially the same thing which is when we're embodying like our highest vibration that's our nervous system functioning well and I love yeah. that there's like a really you know concrete kind of like physical explanation for you know like you were saying some of the spiritual concepts um, of energy, because really that's what it's about. Like we're, mm-hmm. we're all energy yep. and we're looking to align with whatever we believe is bigger than us. Um, something that really intrigued me, I think it was on one of your podcasts that I really wanted to talk with you about was this idea of our soul speaking through our nervous system, specifically intuition and how mm-hmm. that feels and works because well, I think it's obvious, like in birth in particular, that's our number one tool. That's our communication to the baby. That's our way of knowing that things are well or not well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I could blab on forever because in my role, um, I can only know what I know about somebody from the outside. So I really try to work and impress upon women that that is their superpower. So you're saying if you're dysregulated or chronically dysregulated, uh, it's going to be harder to tap into that. And I think that's really crucial. Yeah, it it can be really difficult to, um, without that feeling of safety in your body, like the, the simplest way that I know how to explain it to people is like when you have that radio antenna um, and, it, and the channels are clear, right? Like mm-hmm. you, you can embody your healthy fight response. So we need a healthy fight response to set boundaries. We need a healthy fight response to say no. 
We need a healthy fight response to have motivation to start a new project. Right. So it's um, not like we're just supposed to be like relaxed all the time. Nothing. No, right. Of course. No, no, no. <laughs> um, and then, the you know, our flight response, we have a healthy flight response. It serves us well to like know when there's an oncoming car and we need to jump out of the way. Right. right. Like that's not bad or wrong. Um, even the immobilization or, or freeze, some state of collapse, serves a purpose for our survival. But when we're chronically in those states, that's when the channel is like muddy and staticky and dysregulated mm. because we are in some sort of state of dysregulation, whether that's fight, flight, or some sort of collapse or immobilization. Um, but freeze actually exists on a spectrum. So it's, I don't use the word freeze response. I'd say immobilization because mm. it's, it exists on a spectrum. So that's why I'm using that, that language. Um, but yeah, we, we have a difficult time discerning the difference between our intuition and our fear and when, when the channel is muddy. And so we have to like clear the static first by bringing regulation into our body. And I'm going to use another metaphor for you. I like to use the bucket um, as my metaphor for the nervous system. So like if you think of your nervous system as a bucket, if you have to place that bucket under a leaky ceiling, then it's catching all of the water. And the leaky ceiling is like all the shit that we have to deal with, like childhood trauma, being bullied at school, um, you know, growing up in poverty, systemic racism, capitalism, like all of that <laughs> is like water that's going into everyone's bucket, right? Our nervous system has to hold all of it. Then if we have other stuff happen on top of that, like the, the death of a parent, the death of a spouse, um, some, some a divorce, a bankruptcy, like anything mm. like that, a birth trauma, anything like that, um, that's adding more to the bucket. And eventually, if we don't have a way to empty the bucket, it just overflows onto the floor, right? So we have to do two things. First, we have to patch as much as we can the leak in the ceiling. And there are certain things that none of us have control over um, that we're all doing the best we can to live under. Um, and we can divest from those things as much as possible. Like, for example, I understand that COVID was something I had to live with because everyone did, but I made the sovereign choice during COVID to completely not consume the news. So that right. was my way of like putting a patch on the ceiling is like, this is stress that I'm not allowing to come into my body. And I got a lot of flack for it. Um, people saying I'm like privileged or whatever. And I'm like, you're fucking right. I'm privileged. I'm going right. to use my privilege to protect <laughs> my own well-being. Like right. you're absolutely right. Um, so we have to patch as much as possible the leak in the ceiling. So that can be anything from like restructuring our lifestyles to be more supportive of a regulated nervous system. So if you're in a toxic relationship, if you're in a job you hate, um, if your diet is full of crap, like things like that are also contributing to the amount of water in the bucket. And then once we patch the leaky ceiling as much as possible, we still have this bucket full of water that's like leaking onto the floor. So now we have to like take a cup or something and start scooping the water out. And that means that we have to like go in and unburden our nervous systems from what we're carrying from the past. And as we unburden our nervous systems through releasing that stored trauma, the energy of stored trauma somatically, then we create more capacity in our bucket. And when the bucket has more capacity, it can hold more. Mm. And so we build our resiliency, which is our ability to bounce back after stress. And so when we do nervous system work, not only are we patching the leak in the ceiling, 
and emptying water out of the bucket, but we're also making it so that there's more space so that the next time something, you know, crazy happens, we might find ourselves acting in a totally different way. And it's not the crisis that it would have been before when we had that overflowing bucket. Mm. Um, so radio antenna and a bucket. Those are my two <laughs> metaphors for the nervous system. <laughs> yeah, I love it. That's awesome. Yeah, no, it makes it really simple to understand. So I appreciate that. Um, yeah, gosh, there's so many things I want to ask you. I was thinking about just how nervous system regulation or maybe chronic dysregulation, depending on how you want to talk about it, affects hormones. Um, mm. We know in pregnancy, I mean, of course, hormonal balance is important, but specifically in the birth process, that's what physiological birth is based on. Like that's how birth happens when any cat or dog or, you know, any, any mammal has a baby. So humans have gotten so away from relying on this hormonal cocktail to really just make it a process that we don't think about. But again, I think the nervous system is so important here because when the hormonal recipe is thrown off, then birth can take a long time, you know, outside of kind of what would be expected maybe for that mom and baby or um, is really, really hard or, you know, enter any kind of like intervention that the mom didn't want, but her body mm -hmm. just kind of isn't facilitating the process the way mm -hmm. we're, we're wanting to see or the way she wants to see. Yeah. Well, the nervous system and the endocrine system are inextricably linked and if our nervous systems are in a, a state of dysregulation, you know, if it's if it's temporary, if you're walking through the woods and you come across a bear, you don't have to do anything. Your body automatically, your blood is pumping, your muscles tense up, your pupils dilate, yep. and you're like, I've either got to get the fuck out of here or I have to stay and fight this bear. So temporarily, your body also increases production of hormones like cortisol and adrenaline, and that gives you the energy that you need to be able to run away or fight back or whatever. Right. And then when that threat is passed, that all goes back down to homeostasis and we're back in our you know normal, healthy state. Um, when we don't have the ability to <laughs> like complete that process and everything stays dysregulated kind of at a heightened level, then that mm -hmm. leads to like long-term cortisol dysregulation and imbalances, you know, mm -hmm. which also throws off our insulin, which can throw off estrogen, which can throw off progesterone. Like it, and it really is like a domino effect that affects our hormones. And it really comes back to like, mm. sure, you can use things to support your hormones and all of that. But again, you can't out supplement your nervous system. So it really is use things to support yourself when you need it, but don't use those things instead of creating that safety in your body through actually being in your body. A lot of people want to just avoid that whole part of it. And they're like, well, just give me a protocol. Just give me a supplement. Just give me a thing because that's what I need. And no, because then you're outsourcing mm -hmm. what you need. And sure, those things can be supportive, but nothing is going to support you more than your own commitment to show up for yourself and take care of your nervous system every single day. Um, and that again, that goes for pregnancy or not. But it, it, I mean, gosh, I don't even, so I did not have like natural births. I did not even know that home birthing was an option whenever right. I was having babies 18 years ago. Um, 
nobody told me that I had choices. So right. I, I did the full on like hospital birth with an OBGYN, episiotomy, um, epidural, like I did the whole, the whole thing. And I look back on that now and I know that I was just doing the best I could with the information sure. I had at the time, but at the same time, if I had known all of my options, I would have chosen differently. Sure. Like I, I watch like your videos on Instagram or I've watched birth documentaries and stuff like that. And there really is this like longing and sadness inside of me that I didn't even know that having a birth like that was an option. And so I can't even imagine how much more smoothly and my births went smooth for hospital births, I guess. I can't even imagine how much more smoothly they would have gone and what my connection to my body and to that process could have been like if I had been like at home in a peaceful regulating environment versus in a hospital with like sterile stuff and fluorescent lights and you know on my back like yeah. all of that. So even just even quote unquote normal um hospital births you still have like an atmosphere that is dysregulating like nobody ever goes into a hospital and is like oh i feel so comfortable here <laughs> you know like nobody is like my nervous system feels so at ease in this hospital like we feel safe at home because our nervous systems feel safe with whatever's familiar and so the safer we feel the more likely our bodies are going to be relaxed and we're not going to try to control things as much and we're not going to get rigid and constrictive in our bodies, which definitely impedes the birth process. Like a woman has to be super open, right? Like her body literally has to expand. Well, nervous system dysregulation is not an expansive state. It right. is a very contracted, constrictive mm. state. So, you know, I, I mean, I remember like, pushing into the pain but there were moments where i like i was like wanting to hold it all in because i wanted to avoid that pain but actually the only way through was to push into it and lean into the pain um but i think i i if i would have had the choice to do it at home i think it could have been so much different and i'm not even sure i would have had the postpartum depression like i had with my daughter because with my daughter i was induced with mm. pitocin um, and I read years later after that, I was trying to figure out what went wrong. And I read years later that the chances of postpartum depression in an induced birth, uh, labor and birth are like 40% higher right. if you're induced because my body didn't have that natural oxytocin release because I was getting an IV of synthetic oxytocin, Pitocin. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I think if people were more regulated when they're birthing and during pregnancy and all of that, it can create different outcomes for birth too. So yeah. it benefits everything, Marion. It benefits everything. I right. can't think of, of a single thing for which knowing how to feel safe in your body and regulate your nervous system wouldn't be helpful. I can't think of a single thing. No, I agree, which I think is why this is so intriguing and you know really resonates with me, all of it, just that we're in charge of this so to speak yes there are things we can learn but we're the only ones that can do this for ourselves and it's not something you know we have to go buy or i don't know sign up for otherwise other than cool classes like yours to really <laughs> learn um, and there is so much to learn so at the same time that it's simple like this isn't out there in a huge way and i know you're very much contributing to changing that um, but even with birth, it's like, yes, all of that is so true. And for sure, like all of the interventions and all of that create 
such a disconnect from our hormonal process, which essentially is how we give birth. But even at home, even with like women that I see that have chosen something else, um, there's still so much dysregulation, just like we've talked about in their own selves, in the stress of their lives during a pregnancy, to at the moments of birth or during a labor, um, having people around that they don't feel comfortable with, like things that seem in comparison kind of minuscule, but obviously upset the system. And I guess I'm just wondering, you know, if and I think I know the answer, if we were all more committed in a sense to like making this part of our lives, as you're saying, you know, maybe these little upsets wouldn't be such a big deal. But for some people, they really do cause huge disruptions during birth um, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I mean, I I think that it's really, it's really difficult, if not impossible, when you're in a chronically dysregulated state to set those types of boundaries. Right. So it's like really, really difficult to do that. And obviously like women are, they're vulnerable during birth too. Like it it could be hard for a woman in labor to set a boundary. That's why we have doulas, right? right. To like help us, help support us and advocate for us in that way. Um, also not something I had, which I wish I would have, but yeah, I, I do think that, um, yeah, I don't even know if I had anything to add to that. No. I just agree with what you said. <laughs> <laughs> I just totally agree with everything you say. Yeah. So I think some of it's obvious because you've talked about a lot of like symptoms and ways you were feeling, but what are, th- what are some other signs of a dysregulated nervous system or just kind of like common-ish conditions or, or things that people experience that they might chalk up to something else? Yeah, great question. So our autonomic nervous systems control everything automatic in the body. So if you think about all of the big and small functions that our bodies do without us intervening or assisting in any way, so our heartbeat, our respiration, our digestion, elimination, hormone production, Mm. sleep cycle, blood sugar, um, all of those things are controlled by our autonomic nervous systems. So then think about what are some of the ways or what are some of the common things that people jump on the hamster wheel of wellness to quote unquote fix. Right. Gut gut issues, sleep issues, hormone issues, blood sugar issues, weight issues, like those types of issues, which is why I talk so much about the autonomic nervous system in relation to chronic and mysterious symptoms because for me, my specific collection of symptoms was not something that I could go to the GP and be like, okay, I'm experiencing this, 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 and this, and then be like, oh, you have a dysregulated nervous system. Here's what you can do for that. Like, we are divided so much into our different parts and organs and systems, and like none of our doctors are communicating with each other right. <laughs> about what's going on. So they often are not, nobody's bringing up the common thread of all of that, which is the autonomic nervous system. And so when the autonomic nervous system is not, um, when it's burdened, when the bucket's full, um, then we do start to experience some of those weird symptoms. And Mm. those are the types of things that people are often like, oh, I need to just take probiotics. I need to heal my gut. I need you know, adaptogens for my hormones and I need to seed cycle for my period. And like, I need to do all these things when, when really like we got to go up further, we got to go further upstream. Right. Um, and so people can experience, you know, PMS is a, um, a nervous system thing. 
Um, so really any hormonal issues, mm. like, and I'm not saying that like hypothyroid or whatever, I mean, I'm speaking really generally. I recognize that there are specific things, congenital things, genetic things that sure. may not be related to the nervous system at all. But generally, um, you know, hormone imbalances and the symptoms that go with that. So low sex drive, um, PMS, period issues, even infertility, yeah. um, digestive issues. So those are like SIBO, IBS, food intolerances, um, constipation chronic diarrhea, alternating diarrhea and constipation, mm. sleep issues, so insomnia, sleep apnea even, um, night terrors even. Um, interestingly, varicose veins because our nervous system's mm. control our circulation. Wow. Um, so that is a sign of nervous system dysregulation. And then all the things that we think of as quote unquote mental illnesses, mm. so like anxiety, depression, panic attacks, um, I would even go so far as to say things like bipolar, because if you think about the way bipolar works, it's like manic episodes followed by depressive episodes. So a manic episode would be like a sympathetic fight flight episode. There's a lot of energy, a lot of movement. And then a depressive episode is the immobilization or freeze response. So it's like a person who vacillates between those different states in their nervous systems. Um, yeah, even and at, at its most severe, like neurodegenerative illnesses are symptoms of nervous system dysregulation too. So like Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, things like that. Mm. This so is see, not things, yeah. not things that you would go to the doctor and be like, I have this, 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 and this. And they're like, it's your nervous system. Like it, it took me forever to figure that out. And then once I did, I got off that hamster wheel of wellness. Yeah. I quit taking $400 a month in supplements. I didn't have to eliminate gluten, dairy, and sugar from my diet anymore. It was like, I finally got to live my life instead of devoting all of my time, energy, and money into fixing myself right. and solving symptoms. Right. It's so revolutionary. I can't tell you like how excited I am by you sharing it and sharing it that way. Also, I believe we're made perfectly. Like I really do. You know, I believe we're capable of healing and we can do our own healing. And that speaks so beautifully to that because right, like not that I haven't been there too, but all the things, all the things that don't work just enforce that belief that there's something wrong with you. And that's yeah. like exactly the opposite of what is actually true. Totally. I, I completely changed my mindset around symptoms. Um, and I feel like the, the natural medicine world and the conventional medicine world both focus so much on symptoms. And it's all about how do we get rid of this symptom? So either I'm going to prescribe you a medication and that's supposed to help the symptom, or you're going to do the supplement protocol and this crazy restrictive healing diet. And that's supposed to resolve the symptom. And what both models are completely bypassing is honoring the body. Because yeah. before something before something was a symptom, it was a sensation. And it was a sensation that you probably ignored or didn't feel because you were completely disconnected from your body. And before the body screams, it whispers. Yeah. So when we have those little sensations and they're happening over and over, that's information. Like that's the body communicating, hey, something's up, yeah. right? When we push it down, we ignore it. We, you know, we never just sit with a headache. We always take the Tylenol for the headache. We never just sit with the, the period issue. We just take a 
you know, whatever people take for period issues nowadays. I don't know because I'm so far removed from right. that world because right. my period is great now. But, um, you know, we we start throwing stuff at it to try to get rid of the symptom and we're not mm. actually just sitting and honoring the body and going, my body's been speaking to me for a long time and I wasn't listening. So then my body had to start screaming at me. Yeah. And that's when we get symptoms and syndromes and dis-ease and all of these diagnoses. And, and I... You either love me or hate me on the internet for this, but I'm we like, there's you. no, there's no such thing as mental illness. Yeah. Like all of these things like depression, anxiety, and panic disorder and all of that are a collection of symptoms, not diagnoses. Right. And when they're a diagnosis, then we're putting all of our time and energy into trying to fix them, which usually leads to like doing suppressive things like psych meds and all of yeah. that, which again, I'm not opposed to right. if they're supportive. I benefited from psych meds myself, but psych meds don't heal anything. Right. Like they don't, they're not healing anything. They can create faux windows of calm in the body and we can be really grateful for those. Right. Like I don't think I would have slept again on my own if it hadn't been for psych meds. Honestly, I'm super grateful for them, but they didn't heal a thing. Yeah. Like I had to heal myself and I'm grateful that I had meds as a supportive tool um, but I didn't put all my eggs in the med basket and be like, well, this is all I need. And now that I take this clonopin every day, I'm never going to have anxiety again. So yeah, it, it really is about honoring the body. And instead of trying to push those symptoms down and silence them and tell the body, this is inconvenient. How dare you do this to me? This is so inconvenient. Um, I remember feeling really betrayed by my body. Like I gave you all these expensive supplements and all this fucking organic food and look what right. you did. Like I was right. so angry at my body. And then after doing all this work and like coming into awareness about that, I'm like, oh body, I'm so sorry. Like right. you were just screaming at me because I wasn't listening to you. Like, of course you were screaming. It's like, you know, when we have our babies, like our babies will make little noises and little signals. And if we don't pay attention to those, then they start crying. And if we still aren't paying attention and feeding them, then they, they're screaming, right? Yeah. So our bodies do the same thing. They give us these little whispers and like signs and signals that maybe they're having trouble dealing with something and they're asking us to slow down. They're asking mm. us to set boundaries. They're asking us to fucking move. They're asking us to reconnect to nature. They're yeah. asking us to reconnect with earth. Like our bodies are asking these things of us and when we don't listen then they're like well if you're not going to listen to that uh, i've got to speak louder and then we have symptoms and um i'm not saying that every disease is rooted in the nervous system but i am saying i can't think of a single condition for which having a healthier nervous system wouldn't improve someone's health that is very fair to say and i probably would go as far to say it at least in my words which you know is everything is emotional at its root. So however you want to talk about it, but I've shared on this podcast too, that I was diagnosed with asthma from the time I was four and the last like two plus years, I've completely like, I don't identify with that term anymore and I don't take any medications and, you know, I'm sure you can relate to this too. It was like around the spiral around again, around again, around again. And every now and then, I go around again, like at a deeper level, but I'm always in a state of gratitude now for the message. Whereas the same as it used to be like, oh, shut up, body. Like, don't know what that's about, but I don't want to feel that way. And now it's like, oh, thank you, body. Like it, yeah. me it means this thing when I feel that way. 
it means I need to do this for myself. Um, and so many things you mentioned, you know, connecting to nature in particular. I think we really lost that as a culture. And I think that's where the healing is. Nature mm-hmm. is showing us that all of the time. And the nervous system, you know, I know that's mm-hmm. one of your really simple tips. And I totally agree. Just like get your feet on the fucking earth, people. Yeah. <laughs> Just take your shoes off and go stand on some grass. Yeah. <laughs> like really, you don't you don't have to like live in the woods. Right. You know, it, but if you can, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like I know there's kind of a mass exodus out of cities right now. And um, mm-hmm. that's a complex topic too. But overall, I'm in support of it because I, I totally believe that people are not meant to live stacked on top of each other. And cities, they're meant to be close to the earth and growing food and you know commuting with nature and all of that and it's so good for our nervous systems oh my god it's so good I mean think about it like what connects everything together in the earth it's mycelium right Mm. like if anybody has ever seen what mycelium looks like and then you look at like what nerve fibers look like they look the same Right. So like the the nervous system of the earth is like the mycelial network that's communicate. I mean, trees communicate to each other through the mycelial network. And they like, yeah, yeah, it's it's fascinating. People should watch the documentary Fantastic Fungi Mm. um, if they want to learn more about the mycelial network. But like trees of the same species will use the mycelial network if a tree gets diseased or if there's a pest or something like that, they will send signals through the mycelium to other trees of that species. And then those trees can like be more protective right. of themselves. Yeah. Like it's freaking fascinating. And our nervous systems communicate the same way. Yeah. I love that. Have you read the understory? That's a similar, no. it's fiction, but it's rooted. haha, No pun intended with like all of that. <laughs> All of that kind of information and, and the fictional story kind of mirrors what the trees are doing. So you might like that it one. Sounds like I need to. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a weird book, but it's really good. But yeah, that's um, that's amazing. I know. Kind of one last thing I wanted to say here. Uh, just that this is brilliant. I think the work you're doing is so fantastic and needed. And I really know that people. I know the right people will hear this whether they're pregnant women or also midwives. And I just want to share, you know, as midwives, we come across people's health histories all the time. Like that's something we just do and deal with. And um, it it really has changed my perspective, you know, largely influenced by what you've talked about today and what I've seen you sharing, um, just how to even like approach what someone brings to the table, right? Like I was looking at one yesterday and, this woman had medical records. So of course it's very black and white and they just had all these diagnoses and labels on her. And on one hand, it's just like heartbreaking. Like how is this, what a human being is to someone diagnostic codes and all of this sort of awfulness that doesn't represent this woman woman. But anyway, I guess the silver lining is when I looked at it, Um, I saw just what you were talking about. Like, I don't see it anymore as like, oh, this thing needs to happen. And oh, it's the liver. And oh, it's the this. Yes, there are supportive measures. But often now when I'm looking at someone's kind of like history at a glance, it's like, oh, yes, their nervous system is very chronically dysregulated. And it simplifies it in a sense to understand what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I agree. I I have all of my clients um, when they fill out a form to work with me. Um, 
I have a whole big like symptom checklist for physical symptoms and mental mm. health symptoms, whether it's diagnoses or, or just symptoms. And um, so it gives me a really good idea of like the level of dysregulation I'm dealing with whenever somebody has like a lot of things checked off. Mm-hmm. Um, and but I, I approach it the same way no matter what, because that's the beauty of the nervous system is like. I'm not saying that you meet everyone at the same place because everyone's in a different place. But once you understand like the basics of polyvagal theory and shifting nervous system states and reconnecting to the body um, through being able to find the meaning that you were talking about when we first started talking, like that plus the meaning plus the awareness is like, that's what slowly digs us out of that, of that hard, hard place. And I don't believe for a moment that it has to take years and years. Like, I really don't. No. And I think that that is a terrible myth in the health world is that like all of this healing shit has to take forever. I mean, does that mean we're ever fully healed? Air quotes. Like, mm. no, but. Functioning though. We want to right, function much quicker right. than like, that. We're not, we're not just supposed to be here surviving all the yeah. time. Like we're supposed to thrive and live our lives and do things that bring us joy and happiness and help others and be generous. And like, you don't have time for any of that. You don't have energy for any of that. When your nervous system is chronically dysregulated, you're literally in survival mode all the time. So, um, yeah, we got to get out of survival mode. And the only way to do that is through the nervous system. I literally don't know of another way. And I wish, I know people are like, well, I want something easier. Like, that's why we try to take the pills and the supplements and all that, because it seems easier. But the only way out is through the wisdom of your own body. So, and that's how birth is too. The only way a baby comes out is the wisdom of a mother's body. Sure. (laughs) Sure. And it doesn't have to resonate with everyone. And I know that resonates with you too. Like people that want to take the pills should just go take the pill. You know, this is for people that are there and ready and willing to engage in that way. And I really do think the times of the world are calling for it, like in every direction. It just seems like it's absolutely time for all of it, for people to take responsibility, to like heal, to connect with the earth. Um, it's all the same themes that I'm seeing. Yeah. So yeah, I, I mean, I I believe that nervous system work is activism. I believe that nervous system work is a spiritual practice. Yeah. I believe that nervous system work is trauma prevention. Like, it serves us in so many different ways. And the only people we can take responsibility for anyway are ourselves, right? Mm. Like, so I don't get the like yelling at people on social media for all the shit that you think they're doing wrong. Like you don't have to agree with them. Get off the phone and like, go do your own work. Oh my gosh. Yes. Like when individuals take responsibility for themselves to choose to heal and grow, the collective will shift and heal and grow. And it starts with individuals making that decision. I can't make that decision for the collective. I can only make that decision for myself and hope that I'm a drop in that bucket that ripples out and inspires the collective Um, which is why I have my podcast and Instagram. And I'm sure that's why you're on Instagram and have a podcast too, is because we're just trying to do our part to like inspire the collective to recognize that they have choice and that their choice is powerful and that healing is possible no matter what. Hmm. Absolutely. I could not have said it any better. And 
yeah, that's why I just love to have you here. It was so great talking with you today. Thank you. Thank you, Marin. I'm excited to be here. It was a great conversation. Yeah, I'm sure we could talk for hours and hours. Probably. And maybe, maybe we'll, you know, I'm, I always just like love the people that wind up here. And I always think like, who knows where this will lead? Maybe we'll have some other fun collaborations in store. Well, um, you're taking my nervous system workshop, right? I am. I'm going to okay. sign up as soon as I can, which I saw today is the 1st, September 1st. Yeah, it's going to, well, I think it's going to open tomorrow. Actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I will be um, there. We, after you come to that workshop, you might have a whole another set of questions that you want to ask for a podcast. Okay. So we'll do <laughs> follow up part two. Sure. Yeah. That would be great. Um, so yeah, please, I'll include your links, but just share whatever details you want how people okay. can reach you, go for it. Sure. Yeah. So I'm the host of the Holistic Trauma Healing Podcast, which you can listen to anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Um, I also, <clears throat> excuse me, have a nervous system workshop that Marin mentioned. I'm teaching on September 13th. Um, and people can find details about that on Instagram or on my website. My Instagram is at I am Lindsay Lockett. And Lindsay is with an E-Y, not an A-Y. <laughs> Um, and my website is lindsaylockett.com and I think that's about it. <laughs> Wonderful. That was a beautiful wrap up. And again, I'm just so grateful for you and the light you're shining in the world. I know that's coming through this work in the nervous system, but it's really just like your beautiful, unique soul shining through. And I'm just Thank so honored you. to know you virtually. And I, I hope, uh, yeah, I hope we can work together again soon. Likewise. It'd be great. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, have a great week.